Hey folks, it's Tomo, Sean, and Andrew from What's Going On Here. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Or wherever you stream your favorite podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to another episode of What's Going On Here. It's the COVID edition. It had to happen sooner or later. <laughs> and um, see, uh, so the, the loss is we weren't able to do it in person. But the gain is you guys get to see our ugly faces now for at least an episode or two. At least, I'm figuring. And my name is Tomo Lovrick. Welcome to our show, uh, also known as T-Love in aluminum can manufacturing circles and with me as always you will see the young aerodynamic uh man himself the lord marshall but he's kind of a homeless lord marshall right now because that's been shuttered uh he's a chancellor without a country if you will but he is also sexy sleek aerodynamic and you can tell he's very aerodynamic because he has a bunch of birds right behind him above his head Mm-hmm. And that is the young man known as Sean Quigley, a.k.a. The Quig, or as he's better known in fillet cutting circles. Sean, how are you, sir? Good. Pretty good. Um, this is new for all of us. Uh, well, yep. One of the most exciting developments of this new version of, of presenting is I'm not wearing any pants. Ah! <laughs> well, that was well to be expected. I figured as much. <laughs> I was wondering what all those noises were. I guess you weren't eating at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was more like, okay, very good. Now that I gave everybody that disgusting visual. And with us, as always, uh, uh, in this new year, we have our lovely young edition. He's got the looks of a supermodel. He's got the booty of a swimmer. He's got... Um, <laughs> Uh, a, a smile that will charm the pants off of a thousand nuns, Aww. Mr. Andrew Albagese, as he's known, or AA, as he's known in um, garden gnome circles. Andrew, how are you, sir? That's right. I'm good. I'm good. Um, unlike Sean, I am wearing pants, but that's only because we're doing this today. So it gave me an excuse to wear pants for the first time in probably the last two weeks. That's fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Excellent. Well, not, that anyone can see, not that anyone can see waist down or anything, but, you know, I just, I, I had a purpose because I knew this was coming up today as opposed yeah. to um, binging movies on the, on the couch or in bed all day. Yeah, that's true. I'm, that's true. I'm interested to see with you being the only one of the three of us who's actually in the city right now. Yeah. I'm halfway expecting somewhere in this podcast, preferably when we start talking about E.T., for a bunch of dudes in hazmat suits to just turn up and take you away. (laughs) (laughs) I got a box of gloves over here. So bust those out. Um, I've been wearing a scarf sometimes when I go out, maybe we'll bust that out. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. So, (laughs) all right. So today's episode is an episode we've been promoting a lot and we've had some votes from people and 
it is our yearly countdown, the 2020 best tournament. And as if you follow us on, on our various social media, you would probably know that we are counting down Spielberg movies. Woo. And um, our show, for those of you that don't know, we uh, uh, go into the popular zeitgeist and find a topic and break it down. Our last episode was uh, Paris Hilton's cooking show. That, that's not a joke. Paris Hilton had a cooking show, and, and we talked about it. So, um, But uh, once a year, we do a countdown. Our first year, we did superhero movies. Last year, we did James Bond movies. And this year, we're doing Spielberg movies. And we are doing the top 16 movies because he has altogether, I believe, 32 movies. And that includes like movies he made as a kid. So, yeah, and we're talking just directing, not the movies that he's produced and stuff like that, just movies he's directed. So we found the top 16 movies, uh, money-wise, that made uh, uh, um, the most money. And we compiled the list and we did the seating, much like the NCAA uh, brackets do. And we put together a list. And now we're going to go through our list and talk about uh, uh, what movies uh, made it through. But, but before we go to that, the main part of this show, as some of you know or some of you might not know, is that we review drinks. And today's drink, because this is something we all had separately nearby in our uh, uh, nearby liquor stores, is... Uh, Brooklyn Bel Air Sour by the Brooklyn Brewery. There we are. And this is 12 fluid ounces of 5.8% uh, ale, brewed and bottled by the Brooklyn Brewery. And I guess we should just crack these suckers open and uh, test them for the good folks first before we go on to our uh, movies, yeah? All right, here we go. Uh-oh. Are we doing a synchronized opening? Should oh, this is the first down? one. Yeah, go 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 for count it down, Andy. Right. One, two, three. Oh, look at that! Ooh, and I will do. I will do. Ooh, ooh, ooh. let's see. Get some color in here. Ooh. Oh, that's a nice pour. Look at that. Ooh, look at the effervescence. Oh. Ooh. All right. Well, lads, cheers. Cheers, Virtual guys. Cheers. Clink. All right. Clinky clink. Okay. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Sean thinks it's awful. Sean? Hey, it's alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> At a time like this, who who am I to complain? This is yeah. actually this is uh, I'll tell you why, why I was a little skeptical of the sour. I went uh, with my brother-in-law for his birthday. They had one of these um, um, beer things where you went down and you paid uh, 35 bucks and you walked around and there was like, like 50 or 60 breweries there giving you little four ounce samples. And so like, like I, it was 35 bucks. We went there. And even if there were four ounce samples, like we walked around for two hours, like, we drank way more than $35 worth of beer. And one of the guys in the group, he was big into sours. And he was like, oh, try this one. And this thing was like pickle juice. And oh, I was just yeah. like, this is all. And it was a, it was a Hefeweizen sour, mm -hmm. which was odd in of itself. And I tried it. And I, it was really like it almost curdled my stomach. And so that's why I was like, 
is this what sours are really supposed to be like? Because I'm kind of not a fan. But this isn't bad. If this was yeah. a little bit sweeter, I would have thought it was an apple cider. Yeah. I, I've similarly, I don't remember which sours, but I've had a sour before. I can remember drinking it and literally being like, it does not taste at all like I'm drinking a beer. Like, I don't know no, what no. it is, but it doesn't taste like beer. This yeah. one, this one, sour as it is, it still to me tastes kind of like a beer, which I like. Mm -hmm. they, they've, they, I, I would guess, I mean, I'm not a brewer, so I don't know, but I would guess it's um, getting the hop level up there. So it still tastes Maybe. like a beer, yeah. you know? All right. Well, I'll enjoy that while we're discussing the movies here. All right. All right. So, <clears throat> these are the movies, and I'm going to – should I do how they're matched up or just, like, what they were in rankings first? What do you guys think? I'll do how they're matched up. I'll do how they're matched up. So, <laughs> we split up our um, – into regions. This is the West region. We have number two rank-wise. Now, the ranking was done by the money they made, and um, this was all – in today's dollars so it it's was, been adjusted for inflation and it was domestic gross right domestic i couldn't find world numbers for some bizarre reason cool just so some some somebody on the internet's going to be like actually and yeah, 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 yeah. Well, clarify. this is just us he's he's an american director we think unless he like came from canada i don't know so many people in hollywood are but anyway all right so we have the number two seed et the extraterrestrial versus the 15 seed Lincoln. And we have the number 11 seed War of the Worlds versus the number six seed Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. That's our West region. Our South region is the number seven seed Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade versus number 10 Saving Private Ryan. Uh, number 14 Hook versus number three Jurassic Park. That's the South region. Then we have the East region, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Garbage, I mean Skull. Uh, that's number eight. Uh, number nine is the Lost World Jurassic Park. Those two are facing each other. Uh, and then we have Catch Me If You Can, which is number 13, versus Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is number four. That's the East region. And finally, in the North region, we have the number one seed, Jaws, versus the last seed, 16, Minority Report. And the 12 seed, the color purple, versus the five seed, close encounters of the third kind. So, what um, what region do we want to start with first, boys? Um, I don't know. Should we start with West? Because that was kind of the way it was placed on our, our brackets. Uh, on the yeah, sure. All right. Let's start with West then. Uh, let's do E.T. versus Lincoln. What do we All say? Right. Who wants to start? It's E.T. E.T. wins. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I, I definitely agree with Sean. E.T. is definitely going to win. Um, I watched Lincoln for the first time, probably not long after we, we had all decided we were going to do this. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if it still is, but it was on Netflix not long ago, and I was able to watch yep, it. Yep. Um, definitely had some mixed feelings about it. like there were parts of it that are just very slow. And I was like, wow, this is really, not that I expected it not to be a little bit slow. Um, but ultimately I think obviously this is going to be ET, but shout out to Lincoln. Cause you know, Daniel Day Lewis gives an amazing performance in it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, shout out to, to Spielberg just for tackling something like that and making it kind of a, a digestible movie and being kind of authentic to everything that it should be, or at least it seemed like that to me. Um, you know, and, and shout out to Abe Lincoln himself, because where would we be without him? Um, yeah, just, yeah. Um, so it was just, I really do, as, as, as much as at times while watching it, I was like, ah, oh, this is a little boring. By the end of the movie, I found myself really moved thinking back on, not thinking back on like in my lifetime, but just knowing everything that Abraham Lincoln did and what he went through to obviously, yes. uh, you know, free the this, slave and, and all that he did. This, this, I, I love doing this movie countdown stuff because it really, because I, I, I sit down and try to watch everything as objectively as I can. And a lot of these movies I've never seen before. I didn't see Lincoln before. And believe it or not, it was the first time I saw E.T. And that, I can't and believe see, that. And seeing these movies, like more or less all of them, for the, for the most part, Spielberg doesn't give a shit about the story. He really doesn't. He wants the mood. He wants the character. But the story, meh. I mean, E.T., now don't get me wrong, I thought it was a great story for kids. But as an adult, it, it was like a B-movie. It was like watching freaking, uh, 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 um, what is it, the Power Rangers. Like when you're 12, this is the, the, the height of all you know, uh, uh, action, but then you watch it as an adult, you're like, oh, God, this is so fucking cheesy. That's what E.T. was to me. The story was terrible. The adults acted terribly. The kids were good. The adults were terrible. And the storyline <laughs> was kind of like, eh, he, he left home. Oh, but he could t he's telekinetic and he can fly, but he was running through the bushes away from the spacemen, uh, from the uh, 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 Earth people. It was like, um, okay. I mean, it was cute. Like I said, Henry Thomas, the little kid, he was fantastic. Mm. But I, I, overall, there was like no real story to it. And like I said, the, it's, it's probably the first movie that I've seen where all the adults were worse actors than the kids. So E.T. is likely a front runner for me in this whole thing. I think E.T. is, e. is an amazing movie. I think it's one of the greatest. I, I think it arguably one of Spielberg's best, which is what we'll get into. And I think to your point, Tomo, yes, the adults were terrible, but the film is from the point of view of Elliot. Right. So, so it's okay if the adults are stupid or whatever, because that's how, you know, you're seeing things through him, through this child. And he, you know, parents are d divorced or going through divorce, whatever's going on. And there's obviously a lot of things happening. And this child is sort of a little bit of like the loner and he finds friendship in this alien who is adorable. I think yes. we can all agree um, in his own way. I'm a foot guy, so that, that, that's... <laughs> out of it for me those feet were awful <laughs> um yeah for me et is et is definitely a front runner it's like uh <laughs> <laughs> there he is there's et um, he can genetically fly like superman but he's running through the bushes so i mean well he only flew when he had a bike attached to him <laughs> and he didn't have a bike he didn't have a bike when he was running through the bushes so maybe it's a technicality i don't know I love this idea that the aliens get superpowers if they ride very mechanical human conveyances. That is just a great story in of itself. But, I mean, to your point, and I agree with both of you, E.T. goes on, in this bracket, E.T. goes on. Lincoln, to me, 
the acting was, there wasn't a single actor that, that I thought did a bad job. Like every actor oh. was fantastic in it. Daniel Day-Lewis was brilliant in it. But it turned into a, like a, a, a constitutional procedural. Yeah. And like it took me three different times to get through the whole freaking movie because it was like every time it was like an hour would be over. And I was like, oh, the movie's got to be over any minute now. And I look at the fucking timer and it was two hours left. And I was like, oh my <laughs> God, this really? I'll check, catch this up tomorrow. And I, the story was just boring. I mean, there was the, I guess there was a friction between the wife being, you know, all upset because she's lost uh, two kids already. And, uh, and yeah, but that kind of gets glossed over, I feel like. Yeah. Like I said, the individual acting performances were all good. I couldn't find fault in any of them, no matter how minor the character was. I thought it was great. But the movie overall, it was just kind of like, that's the three hours of a whole lot of nothing. It, it's weird how you compare that movie to, say, 12 Years a Slave. And it's like, this is what happens when you just have all the white people in the movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> white people are boring. That's boring with the white people. Inject some more of the black people. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, as like, like, and I think Andrew summarized it best with Lincoln. It, um, Daniel Day-Lewis was great. What like the impact that Lincoln had with the whole decision and everything and to see how it got there was kind of cool. But like overall as a story, it's like, you could have told that in two hours. You could have told that in an hour and a half. It, it, it felt like... An episode of The West Wing. I've seen episodes of The West Wing that felt very similar. Martin <laughs> Sheen sitting there being like, I don't know how we're going to get this past. Like, well, we're going to have to do some... And just everyone else right. just around right. doing everything for him. It's very similar. Yeah, yeah. All right, so E.T. goes on there. All right. Now, War of the Worlds versus Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I'll, I'll start because I watched a little bit of The Temple of Doom this morning. And I actually caught something interesting that I never paid attention to before. They basically portrayed Indiana Jones as just a, a fortune hunter. As kind of a scallywag, as like not a very morally yeah. kosher guy. And I, it like never caught, yeah. I never caught on to that before because, you know, it's like, oh, it's indie. The opening is great. It was like, it, it harkens back to the old musicals with the whole like intro number that they did with Anything Goes. Uh, uh, really nice, you know, the with choreography, all that. And then like I was watching, I said, wait a minute. They're kind of showing him as a bit of a scumbag because he went and found like the ancient emperor so he could get his hands on a fucking priceless diamond. It wasn't about anything in a museum. He just wanted to get rich. And, and it was interesting because they even show, they kind of, allude that to the character and again and never like connected when he says like what's the Shankara stone when short right asks him and he says oh it's fortune and glory kid it's fortune and glory and he was like apparently because I think and correct me if I'm wrong chronologically the temple of doom happens first yeah, yeah. right because mm -hmm. that was like in 35 and then it's raiders and then it's the last crusade and then yeah. the garbage mm -hmm. fire um in case you're wondering which way I'm voting for the crystal skull <laughs> um yeah so so like i thought that was really interesting because i was like huh okay yeah that's and i mean and, and we, sean and i have talked about this before i don't understand why everybody shits on the temple of doom yeah in terms of trilogy i think if you had to pick of those three if you had to pick 
it maybe is not as good as the other two. It's maybe like the number three, but that doesn't by any means make it bad. Especially no. if you love this character. Like I thought that I rewatched it before we did this and I hadn't seen it in years. And I kind of had that in my head, like remembering, oh yeah, this is the worst one. I had a blast watching it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great a fun. fun. I, think the, I think the thing that everyone gets hung up on is the CGI or the special effects back yeah. then. Because, you know, that first drop with the, with the raft, that impact in the snow, everyone would have been broken. You oh, know, yeah. and, and they went sliding down. And then, of course, the thing just goes down like a leaf into the water when they go off the cliff. So I think that just bothered people too much. And then, of course, the whole race through the, through the mines on the yeah. carts and all of that, all of the physics-defying stuff. Well, and unlike the other indies, I feel like there's not, I don't know how to say it, not quite as much of a story. Like, it really is just action. Like, pretty much it starts and it goes all the way. It's, it's pretty like it starts and he gets on this adventure and it just goes through. Whereas the other ones, you know, he's back they show him teaching and then he goes from there and he's kind of yeah, yeah, going yeah. around different places. This is very linear and just like one yeah, sort of long Yeah, scene. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think this was like supposed to be like, this was his life before he settled down. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it seemed it, like he's been, because yeah. like that's the other thing that I missed, that he's been in Shanghai for a long time because he was with Short Round since Short Round was four. And Short Round there in the movie is like, what, seven, eight years old, nine years old? So I guess the, 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 um, they're trying to point out that he's been there for quite some time hanging out in, in East Asia. So, Right. <clears throat> but yeah, but War of the Worlds is, again, there's no story. I got to get my kids to my ex-wife. Aliens are coming. But I will say this. Again, with him, with the building, the, the um, suspense, the mood, like that whole scene in the basement was fantastic. Oh, man, yeah. You know, even though it was, like, stupid and made no sense, like, the aliens just, the aliens just made no sense. It's like the minute you start breaking down the aliens, it's like, this is right out the window, this whole fucking movie. It's just garbage. But <laughs> because it's just like, wait a minute. They can travel from some godforsaken star system to here, and now they're going to have just tanks walk around the country and, and, and blow shit up. And, like, first they indiscriminately blowing people up on the street, but then they're harvesting them for their blood. And it was kind of like, so they're just sadistic motherfuckers because they're just like, ah, look at you. Eh, 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 eh. I'm shoot these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like the story with the aliens, the story made no sense. But the other thing that I also, like, realized is between that and Minority Report, Tom Cruise has absolutely no idea how to act with kids. There was no chemistry there with his, like the, the, the kids. First of all, the older son was some guy in his twenties, very obviously so. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he, Dakota Fanning, she's a great little actress and there was just like zero chemistry there. And I, I was just like, wow, this is really bad. Considering mm-hmm. what a star he is, it's like, uh, you'd think he'd be able to do something better. Yeah, I, that's interesting you say that because that never really crossed my mind and I want to argue with you, but now that I think about it, I can't, but uh, we should, <laughs> we should know how great, how great is Spielberg directing kids? I mean, you never get a bad child performance, hardly. No, 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 you're absolutely right. You know, absolutely and, and Dakota right, yeah. Fanning was uh, a more modern version of that from something he's done so many times and kind of made her a star from that movie, which was really cool. Um, but I, I want to just, I got to say, I think War of the Worlds is a great movie. I rewatched it in doing this. 
And I think the fact that, yes, all the alien stuff, if you try and break that down, you're totally right, Tomo. But what it captures is just like just this one family, this man trying to survive and protect his kids. And it doesn't, you know, people, people like to shit on it and say like, oh, the ending is stupid because of this or the ending. Like it wasn't going to be a movie where they like fight the aliens off and save the day. It was just a movie about survival. And at the time it came out was, you know, not long after 9-11 and the way it captured like just the hysteria and the paranoia. Like how about that scene when, um, when they're in the van and all the people before they're trying to get on the ferry? That was really good. Like, but, but that's, oh that's man, anxiety in watching yeah. that scene and yeah. the how, way they built that is unbelievable. unbelievable. That's what He's a master at building the mood. Absolutely. Like that was like super anxious. Everyone getting on the boat was super anxious. There was that yep. one moment where like Tom Cruise actually connected because you can see he was obviously proud of his kid because his kid was climbing up on the ramp for the boat trying to pull people over. Yeah. And, and, and the mood in the basement, that was really good. And like you said, but I, I overall, I mean, with, without the moods there, it's a very linear and boring movie. I think I, I, that was one of the ones I've not rewatched. I saw it when it came out. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it, but um, is I'm trying to remember the uh, the, the the basement scene. Is that is that like a very similar thing to like the Jurassic Park thing in like the kitchen? Yes, very very similar. So he already very did that in Jurassic Park, like right. But and also the other thing I have a problem, not a problem, but like it's a hard thing to love. But like Seven Pro Ryan. You know, great movie. I think a better movie if you're American or if you're very like patriotically American, I think, I don't know. But it, um, for me, Schindler's List is like one of the best depictions of war as far as the people and things that go on in war and did such a good job at that. And it's not in, it's not in our brackets, unfortunately, but I I feel like you compare that to war of the worlds and you say about a lot of the tension and all this and having to do this. I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like it's a weird kind of, you know, some of those elements, it's like, yeah, you did chill this list already. Like, I don't know if war of the world, maybe it's just a more like, eh, Nazis are scarier than, I believe <laughs> then like, aliens that harvest us for our blood, but shoot <laughs> us beforehand first. Yeah, I don't know, but um, I, I it, it it pains me slightly that War of the Worlds is in this list because it felt so kind of like meh to me at the time. I I should go back and watch it now when I have the fucking time. But <laughs> when I watched it when I was like a teenager, I remember right. thinking, yeah, it's alright, and I was quite a big Tom Cruise fan. Um. I was like, yeah. I probably didn't like the kid. I was probably yeah, I probably didn't like the fact that he was just, you know going around with a little girl the whole time. Was probably, Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's um, I think also one of the things, one of the reasons he wanted to do the War of the Worlds is because of Orson Welles mm. and the whole original War of the Worlds, and that's why the story actually is set in New Jersey. Because when Orson mm. Welles did the radio show back in the day, he said the aliens had landed in New Jersey. Ah. And then, of course, all I could think about is with, with the tripods walking and shooting all the people, just Luke and his friends blowing all the wall prints on Tatooine. It was like, it was just that. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, I, I, I vote for Temple of Doom on this one. I think it was just a better movie. I know I'm completely alone here. 
I got to go with War of the Worlds. I, I really like that movie. And I, I love Temple of Doom. I love Indiana Jones. I know, okay. I know I'm going to lose this one, but I'm throwing it out there. War okay. of the Worlds is my vote. Sean, Sean, you're the tiebreaker, Sean. Yeah, I'd go with Temple of Doom. I'm biased. Indiana Jones is my hero. That was my favorite thing growing up as a kid. I love Indiana Jones more than anything. <laughs> um, everything you said makes so much sense about this movie. And Temple of Doom doesn't get as just as it deserves because I think, like you mentioned, the prequel thing. I read a very interesting article recently that someone posted on it. It was on like Facebook. It was like a, it was a fluff piece, but it was like Vice or Rolling Stone or something. But it was really interesting. And right. it was, so I was sitting down watching Temple of Doom. I was in a bar and Temple of Doom was on. And there was a guy who comes and sits next to me and he's saying about like, I like Indiana Jones, but this movie's crap. I don't understand this movie. It's just weird. It doesn't work. And then I, in the course of talking about it, I, this, the reporter was like, I talked to the guy about how it's a prequel. And he was like, huh? I was like, yeah, it's set before Raiders. And he was like, well, no, it's not. It came out. He was like, yeah, yeah, no, but it's set before. And he's like, what? <laughs> and then the guy who's writing the article never really sat to think about what big difference that makes in the whole the character, the story, how much it changes things. And in the conversation he had with the guy, the guy completely turned around. He was like, huh, oh, I completely changed <laughs> it. He sat down, there was a whole article about all the reasons why it's clever because of that. And exactly as you said, it's like initially the only reason they made it a prequel, apparently, is Spielberg decided he didn't want to have the Nazis be the baddies again. Yeah. He was like, I don't want this to be a thing where the a Nazi World War II thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want it to be a Nazi movie. Like, I need to find a way for them not to be the baddies, but there's no way they really can not be if we just keep going down this road. So we're just going to have set before. But in the doing of that, Harrison Ford, part of his, he like, was speaking about it and he was like, well, you know, how about, you know, if it's set before, how about we just take more of this aspect of the stuff that people liked? and just ramp it up, the kind of the arrogance, the this, the that, and give him somewhere to go, like a journey. And also at the time he was trying to rebrand himself as an action star. Oh, so right, right, right. Vehicle to do that. He got buffed. He'd like built himself up for it. Got he was in great shape in that. He was in fantastic shape yeah. in that, absolutely. Yeah. Shout out. They even tailored down the leather jacket specifically to like right. cinch him in to make right, him right, right, right. out of it and stuff. Um, and I think if you look at it from that perspective, you look at it from like, oh no, he is, like you said, he's like a bounty hunter. Yeah. fucking guy who doesn't give a shit. And over the course of the movie, he learns. So at the end, he's then at the place where he starts Raiders. He's already right. come. It does change things. You're right. I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think it's that whole arc where they're setting up, he's just a scallywag and... He's very knowledgeable of, about where to look for these things, and he's just looking for cash, basically, until the Shankara stones and saving the kids basically changes him, and he becomes a professor and starts teaching and all that stuff. And he's a star at this point. Like, when Raiders came out, he was, like, he was getting there. Yeah. But by the time Temple of Doom came out, he was... Oh, yeah, because when did that come out? 80, uh, 83? 84. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a full blown star at that point. Post, yeah, post Empire Strikes Back, like it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Temple of Doom it is. Sorry, Andrew. Okay. No, that's all right. So, all right, so that. I'm sorry, go ahead. What are you saying? I was just going to say, love Temple of Doom too, so I'm not mad about it. I just. I had to put that, put that, put that in for. 
<laughs> sorry, sorry, we're reenacting. we're reenacting here. Okay, hold on. I'll I'll be I'll be um, Willie. <laughs> you missed your chance, Doctor Jones. Oh, sorry. All right. Um. Anyway, all right. So that means we have ET facing Temple of Doom. But we won't go there yet. We'll go the rest of the first round through. Do we want to go across or down? So to east or south? Hello. Let's go down. All right, south it is. All right, well, here we go. Another Indiana Jones movie. It's The Last Crusade versus Saving Private Ryan. Oh, this, is a, this is a tough lineup. I saw, when I saw this one on the brackets, I was like, man, in the first round, we got to do this. It's, hey, that's how the seeds work, man. I'm, oh, I'm, this one's rough. I'm just following it. You know what? I agree to, I mean, quite frankly, I would have preferred to have one of the Indiana Joneses against each other. Yeah, yeah. So they're not all in the end, you know, but, but this, is, this is how the numbers work themselves out. So, Yeah, I don't even know where I'm going to vote on this one. So this will depend um, on the conversation we have. Okay. Um, all right. Fair enough. Because Last Crusade is – you could make the argument that it's the best Indiana Jones movie. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure where I would land on that, but I might, I, you know, it's a great movie. It's like so much fun. It's Sean Connery and Harrison Ford together and we yeah. could go on, but it's just so yeah. great. Saving Private Ryan is arguably one of the best war movies ever made. Um, and it's just a very, I mean, it's a very powerful movie. It's an amazing film. Um, I almost feel like an obligation to vote for that for that reason. But, that, you know, so I don't know. This is, this is a tough one for me. I don't know. I, I got to hear where you guys are at. All right. Sean? Well, again, I am biased because, obviously, huge J.J. Davis fan. Uh, Last Crusade was my favorite movie as a kid. And I think that's what you were trying to get to, Andrew. Like, yeah, yeah. I think we lose Crusade where... I think technically, probably Raiders is the best film, yeah. but I think Last Crusade is a lot of people's favorites. Right, right. It's just the most enjoyable. I think it's the most fun. It just hits the balances right. Yeah. Everything kicks off. We know the character. We're already invested in him. The Nazis are just super Nazis. They're just, the Nazis are good in it. Like Hitler's even in it. <laughs> and like... <laughs> talk about like hitler's in the movie and it doesn't even like register mm -hmm. you're like ah screw him like i yeah. I, w I want him to screw over these other nazis more than i care about like, <laughs> that's right anything you could just stab him in the throat and, and taken germany down <laughs> and that been yeah. It. yeah i it almost would have been funnier if there had been a scene where the choice between like do i punch hitler or do i punch elsa well, i'm gonna punch <laughs> elsa <laughs> <laughs> Well, but, we know how we know how most trailer parks would vote. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's great, a great movie. Like I said, Sean Connery probably it's probably one of his best acting performances. Yes, yes, absolutely agreed. Character wise, he very rarely plays characters that are actually characters. Like he's given yeah. characters, but he doesn't yeah. like Highlander. That's a character. Yeah. He yeah. just does Sean Connery. <laughs> like it's it's uh, what's his face? Uh, um, I'm trying to remember the comedian, the Scottish comedian. He was on the Drew Carey show. Um, 
oh, I can't I think of his name. But he had he had the excellent point. It was like about Sean because they were talking about who the best Bond is, and he was talking about Sean Connery. And and then in light of that, basically, it applies to all these movie stars. And De Niro was like that forever. Like once he got past what was it, the comedian, the movie, it was like he was the same fucking guy in every movie. Oh, it was King like of comedy. King of comedy. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, he was the same guy in every movie. You're a movie star now. It's like and, and so like his joke was like, "Hello, I'm." I'm Sean Connery. I'm an Irish flatfoot in Chicago. You can kiss my ash. Hello, I'm Sean Connery. I'm a Spanish metallurgist from Spain and an Egyptian prince. You can kiss my ash. And hello, I'm a Russian submarine captain and you can go <laughs> fuck off. And it's just like, in, it, he was the same guy in all of those movies. And then out comes The Last Crusade. And you're like, who is this guy? Like, he'd be vulnerable. Robin Hood is my favorite Sean Connery what the fuck moment where he turns up in Prince Thieves at the end. He's like, yes, I'm King Richard the Lionheart of England. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Are you really? Are you really? <laughs> He's like, and I'm Sir Robin of Loxley, you know, England's greatest hero. <laughs> it's like, it's so confused, that movie. That's, that is one of my favorite lines with Carrie Ewell's in Robin Hood Men in Tights when he just stops and he's all indignant and he's like, I, unlike other Robin Hoods, can speak with a British accent. <laughs> he just like raises his eyebrow. And it was, the movie literally came out like a year after like Prince of Thieves. It was just perfect. But yeah, I, I'm right along with you guys. Saving Private Ryan, this was my first time seeing it. The first 15 minutes was almost too much. Mm. Like the landing. And again, it's point. like, I get it. The mood that was set was just like, holy. It's, it's actually one of the things that I love about Harrison Ford and the way he acts. When he's the hero, right, in these things, he can portray that working man thing better than anybody, where it's like, oh, shit, I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. I'd much rather go home and just have a beer, but there's no one else that can do this, and I guess I have to do this. So I'm going to do this and I'm really not happy about this and just goes ahead and does it, you know? And it's like, this was basically what DJ was about. It's like, yeah, we're getting blown up, but guess what? We can't swim back. We got to fucking go forward. We, we, we got to do this thing here. And so, like I said, like with the blown arms and the guy just like picking up his arm and shock and all of this, like the mood. And then finally, like Tom Hanks, like the tinnitus stops and he's like, all right, we got to get our shit together. It's like, you go there and you go there. And, the mood there was really, really built. And again, story-wise, just find this kid. That's it. It was a simple thing. And mm -hmm. everything was just like character-driven. Yeah. And it was, like I said, it was like Lincoln. Lincoln, everything was character-driven. There really wasn't much story. And it was really great. But Lincoln was super boring. Whereas, you know, Saving Private Ryan was like, it, it accurately depicted war because everybody that you talk to, you know, and I talk to older relatives and whatever, War is a bunch of sitting around and then a bunch of screaming and shitting yourself. Yeah. And then that's what it is. It's like you're doing nothing, you're doing nothing, you're doing nothing, and then for 20 minutes you're screaming, cursing, crying, pissing, shitting, and if you make it through, then you take a breath and you're collecting yourself and doing it again. And, and the, the, the way he portrayed that in Saving Private Ryan was really, really good. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the characters, all the different characters were great. And... Henry Thomas, wasn't that Henry Thomas or am I mistaken? 
the little kid from ET. Wasn't he the 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 guy that he picked up along the way who spoke French and German? Oh, I don't. I haven't. I've watched it. I haven't watched. This is one of the only ones I didn't rewatch right before we did this. I saw it a couple of years ago, but um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna yeah, look that I'm up. That. I'm gonna look that up while you guys vote. I'm gonna look that up to see if he was in um, Saving Private Ryan. Did you guys see 1917? Yeah. 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 I saw no, it. I, haven't, I haven't. I mean, I thought that again. Bias. British versus American. Like one of the reasons Saving Private Ryan is a little like not as as good as it could be to me is is just it's very american it's very yeah, where, and then america turns up and saves the day <laughs> where do you you didn't really get into it where do you land with saving private ryan sean i no i think it's great i think it's um i think the first 20 minutes is incredible i think it's a great set piece but i think the after that it loses me after that it gets a bit too american it gets a little too but we got to go and we got to save this kid and we're, that's all we're going to do. And we're just going to, it get it just gets a little too, I don't really believe it. Like so much, like I love, I love war movies. I love like Apocalypse Now, Platoon. The more futile, the better. For me, if they're going to go spend all this time going after the kid, they don't find the kid. <laughs> or like it shouldn't end. Like it's a little too, I don't know. I just feel like it's a little only one fucking guy survived, though, so I yeah. think that's pretty much <laughs> I guess. I, it's yeah. only that kid. That's the only one that did survive. I know. That, that kid that they went to say. <laughs> it's just, I don't no, know. No, no, the one guy who's bitching all the time, he survived. The guy from Brooklyn. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason I said 1970s, I thought it, 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 it did a very good job of reenacting, you know, the idea of the set piece is so crazy, but also just the... Uh, the youth of war. I think that's what it was. Seven Pro Ryan to me is think of middle-aged men fighting a war. Right, right. Whereas one thing that 1917 did excellently, which most war movies don't do, ever since Humphrey Bogart and John Wayne used to... Dunkirk and 1917 are the only two that did it. They're like, most wars are fought by kids. Yeah. Yeah. Young people that have no idea even how to be people, let alone how to be soldiers, how to kill another person. The majority of faces are young teenage looking faces that make you go wait they're not old enough to be doing this because most of them lied about their age to get in anyway yeah. 14 15 year olds fighting in these wars you yep. know um and I, it did that very well that innocence of just to, to a certain degree like um yeah but no it's a great it is a great movie i just think there are better for my money they're better black hawk down came you know half a years afterwards I, I like the, te- I don't know. I like, there's more, I feel like I prefer Black Hawk Down for some reason. But, um, but yeah, and I love the other movie. I love the more bleak kind of, like I said, Platoon, Apocalypse Now, like uh, Metal, um, Full Metal Jacket. I love Full Metal Jacket. Tropic Thunder. <laughs> Tropic Thunder. <laughs> I just think all the OTOR directors have their war movies. Mm-hmm. With the exception of like Scorsese, never really did it. Um, but it, everyone's kind of given it a crack, right? And I think for mo, you know, whether it's Kubrick with Full Jacket or Blessed Ridley Scott doing Black, uh, you know, Black or Down or Francis Ford Coppola or you know, whatever, I just think for all the people who I just I think it's the one that I think I think Schindler's List is a better 
war movie. It's a different kind of war movie, but yeah, I think yeah. that's Spielberg's like, okay, we can draw a line under World War Two. Like this is the World War. This is like maybe it's well, like. like- well, I mean, I, th- there's nothing I'm disagreeing with you guys on this. I, I think Saving Private Ryan was a great movie. Mm-hmm. And again, coming back to my point, it's a gr- he's a great mood builder. And the character work, again, was great because it shows what happens to people in these things. You're so terrified all the time. Sometimes you're just like, fuck this kid. Look, why, why are we going? We already lost two guys. Why are we going? You know, the fact that... Um, they were ready to shoot each other in the head for disobeying the captain and all that. All of that stuff is like that, you know, it, 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 the mood was really well set. Um, have there been better war movies? I suppose. But, uh, I mean, in this context, is going up against The Last Crusade. And again, I think The Last Crusade was the best of the indie movies. Like you said, I think technically Raiders of the Lost Ark, and we'll talk about this because it's on the list. It was kind of a, a, a genre-defining kind of movie. Like they've tried to copy it. The closest they got was the Mummy, right? The first Mummy, and 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 the second Mummy to a point. I don't keep romancing the stone. I was a big fan of that movie. Romancing the stone, I, but it was a very different. Romancing the stone was like if you took Indiana Jones and made it mostly comedy. Hmm. That was romancing the stone. But to your point, Tomo, how, I mean, ever since then, movies have been made. And if, if it's that type of movie in any way, shape or form, the way you describe it is like, oh, it's kind of like an Indiana Jonesy type, like a, to, right. that, that has become almost its own genre. It clearly- right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've, <laughs> it's funny. The, the Quartermain movies with Richard Chamberlain, I think, came out before Raiders or right around the same time they were trying to, but they all ended up being like B-movies that went straight to video or to TV or whatever. And it was like Richard Chamberlain and Sharon Stone, believe it or not, I think mm-hmm. were in those movies. Alan Quartermain and King Solomon's Minds or something like that it was called. But, I mean, again, back to this. In this contest, I, I'm voting for The Last Crusade over Saving Private Ryan. Again, not meaning like to Andrew's point, this doesn't make Saving Private Ryan a bad movie. I just think The Last Crusade was a more entertaining and, and a better movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think Apocalypse Now is a better war movie, and Harrison Ford was in that movie. So already, and Sean yeah. Connery's probably in a good war. I don't know what he's probably in a good war movie from the old day. I don't know. Yeah, Highlander. Come on, that was a war movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the Last Crusade goes on. All right, and now we have Sean's favorite of all time, because he gets to dress up as a pirate and sing. Um, Hook versus number 14, Hook versus Jurassic Park, number three. Do we need to talk? Number three, Jurassic or? Park. I again, this was a book. Hook was just a stupid ass boring movie, no story. Hook was so bad, D- terrible. Like ET, it was right no, there. Not, don't ET. shit on ET, don't even don't even put Hook in the same category. Same category, except Hook had Robin fucking Williams. That's it. In one of his worst and Dustin Hoffman. Oh, and Glenn Close. All and terrible. Bob Hoskins. And Julia Roberts. And... Oh, God. I forgot about that. And, oh, 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 what's her face? Dame, um... Maggie Smith. Yeah. Maggie Smith. That's right. Hook. Right up there with E.T. 
I saw Hook. So Hook, I, I had seen Hook a few times probably when I was a kid, like on TV and stuff like that. But I was never, I never like got super into it, but I had seen it and probably liked it as a kid. And I can remember other people, um, like when I was in college and things like that, like people my age that around my age grew up with it, you know, because it came out and it came out in 91. So in my childhood, uh, the year I was born is when that came out. Um, and anyways, I can remember other people. Look at that. Look at that face. Don't <laughs> I got to get another beer. Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but I can remember people, a lot of people are big fans of this movie. Like strictly, I think, because of nostalgia. So having not seen it since I was maybe less than five, probably at best. I I went into it with a pretty, you know, I went, it took a grain of salt, you know, I went into it with, not with high hopes, not like I was expecting to be blown away or, or anything special, um, but I expected it to be better than it was, and watching it back now, I mean, it was, and it's long, it's over two hours long, like it's two and a half hours or something, and it's a kid's movie, that yeah. is long for a kid, um, and it was long for me to sit through. It's it's just about every Spielberg movie is two hours. Yeah. Like every one. And and I think Hook it's ever since Jaws. Two and a half, wasn't it? Or am I Hook? Hook might Hook have been two fifteen or something like that. It was But it, yeah, I mean, long. it's amazing what nostalgia will do and make you think of shit movies like the best movie ever made, you know. Like things like E. T. and shit like that. So, well, I did rewatch E. T. Um and I stand by my <laughs> hook is two hook is two hours and 22 minutes jesus yes that's that right way of too boring long. of boring of absolutely terrible <clears throat> oh and uh while we're shitting on hook shout out to one of my best friends anthony cologne who filled out the brackets for us uh oh yeah, i don't thank know you, anthony. I, I don't know if i should if i can go through this now or not but uh I don't know if we'll revisit it later, but Anthony's brackets, love you, Anthony, but uh, his number one film was Hook. What? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> shout out to Anthony. <laughs> don't, don't shout out that shit. No, Anthony, <laughs> I appreciate the effort, but don't shout out that shit. Hook is, look, E.T., when it came out, was widely panned by the critics. Like, everyone shit on that movie. Really? Uh, it was, look it up. It was absolutely, like, defiled. And it's because adults watched it. But, like, from a kid's perspective, this is a great movie. If I was a kid, I would have loved that movie. And mm. I probably, nostalgia would have probably made me think that it was a much better movie than it is. And, but anyway, we're talking Jurassic Park versus Hook. Hook is shit. And it was just two plus hours of just absolute garbage. No, Peter, Peter, no, Peter, Peter, Peter. Peter. Part, although I have to say there were so many comical parts. First of all, Dustin Hoffman was loving being like a drag queen captain. Uh, a suicidal, suicidal drag queen captain. Like, I'm going to kill myself. Hurry up. Bob Hoskins, if you ask me, was the best part of that movie. And he should have been in it a lot more. But my favorite part of the movie is Hook kills... What was the, the kid who was in charge of the Lost Boys while Peter was gone? Rufio. Rufio. Thank you. <laughs> Rufio. So, Sean is probably Hook is his number one movie, too, since he remembers the character's name. 
<laughs> Rufio gets stabbed through the stomach like a freaking pig at, <laughs> at, on Thanksgiving by hook. And literally three minutes later, the alligator falls on hook and the kids go like skipping along. It's like, what the hell happened with Rufio? Aren't we going to even bury the guy? What the? He was forgotten like he was never even there. And I was just like, and I mean, it was just prototypical of all of these like Spielberg story bits. It's like, eh, don't worry about it. It's, they already bought the ticket. It's fine. Don't worry about it. So Jurassic Park, I actually rewatched it yesterday. I haven't seen it in a long time. And I remember Jurassic Park was one of the very few movies that I went to the theater to see twice because I thought it was just that good. Because I thought the dinosaur CGI was really, really something back then. Because this was, what, 93? Yeah. Um, and again, the mood building was fantastic. I actually read the book, Michael Crichton's book, Jurassic Park, years after I saw the movie. And I was, like, so grateful that I read the book after I saw the movie. Because they changed the book so much around that I hated I would have hated the movie if I read the book. Really? They, they did so much. Like in the book, the, the girl, the sister is younger and she's just annoying and in the way, whereas the brother's into dinosaurs and computers. And, mm. but, but just besides that, that was just like one of the little things. And actually, the main character that was played by Sam Neill, he loves kids because they can remember the names of dinosaurs better than adults can. So he thinks kids are just wonderful in the books, whereas in the movie they made him just like he was an asshole, you know. So it was just, mm-hmm. but either way, I just thought that movie was great. And again, the mood building, just the constant fear, what's around the corner, you know, yeah. Sam Jackson's arm. I, I mean, it's it's. I I mean, even if there was a stronger movie here, and not just the garbage fire that was Hook, I think Jurassic oh, Park, Jurassic Park would have to go on. Yeah, yeah. I, I rewatched it not long ago maybe a week ago or so um and it is in a lot of ways i feel like jurassic park ticks all of the boxes of like spielberg like you have kind of like a horror element that he sort of established when he did jaws but you have Mm -hmm. sort of that like almost like a magical element like something awe-inspiring and unreal and then you have these kid actors who are actually really good at acting even though they're kids like you have everything everything you want in a spielberg movie in that um 1993 and some of the visuals in it look better than some of the shit we see today Absolutely. The, the, the blend of and you can you can tell if you're really paying attention where they use some cgi and where it was practical effects but the way they blended them and like certain shots they they use the practical and then in other ones they use the cgi and there are a lot of scenes where they cut between the two like one shot is practical they cut someone else they cut back now it's cgi the blend yeah. was is done so well it's, it's uh, technically it was a fantastic movie unbelievable um, so yeah that's it, it's just an amazing movie and, and the fact that it stands up how many years later now almost 30 years yes it's amazing yeah 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 so i i, I say Jurassic park sean yeah no it, it is Jurassic park i love hook i loved hook as a kid fucking love hook great movie but Jurassic park it, Dress Park was the first movie I remember going to see in the movie theater. For a long uh-huh. time, I said the first movie I ever saw in the movie theater, but I, that can't be right because I had to have gone to see some Disney movie or something. But it was the first one I remember, like queuing up around the block 
and going and seeing and um it, it, it it's incredible i love that it's so many star turning like richard attenborough like that's his most famous richard attenborough is like a legend but i to put into perspective of how much of a legend he is the drama school i went to mm-hmm. in england he was the president of for a long time he went there in during the war actually there was this crazy picture of him in by the reception desk at the drama school where he uh his year was there during the blitz and it was them the last years and they were supposed to be rehearsing for their production of hammer or whatever and they were on the roof sweeping the debris from the bombing the night before wow <laughs> that's cool and he ended up being the president, long-term president of the drama school. Then Alan Rickman was the vice president, principal, sorry. He was the principal and Alan Rickman was the vice principal, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but he, to the point where like, you know, big legendary actor in England, all this amazing stuff. But whenever we heard that Dickie, is used to go by anyone in the building, used to call him Dickie. Everyone used to know that Dickie was in the building me and my friends would actively be poking our heads around corners going hoping that we would pop into him and do that never never worked no like that's all that mattered to us like he legendary for him jeff goldblum like he's incredible laura dern laura dern was great you know, superstar she is now. Um, you know, Sam Neill. It's just so everyone is so good in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it it's just incredible, and it defined dinosaurs for a whole generation. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So many people when you think of dinosaurs, you think of those. If you say Velociraptor, yeah. people think that kitchen. If you say T Rex, they think of it going after the car. Like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean. It, it, it's funny before before all the, the the coronavirus stuff happened i was looking at the oscars and i was thinking about the oscars when they're giving out all the awards and i was thinking basically uh, um you know every every award there's kind of a tangible that you can see and verify except for directing it's one of the biggest awards i was like well it was it a good director or was it just a great actor you know, was it a great cinematographer? You you know, it's like... Right, right. It was a great editing. You know, was he just kind of like sitting around and just said action and, you know, everyone else did their bit and then he was like, cut, great, all right, let's go to the next shot. You know, it's kind of like you couldn't... And then I watched Lincoln. And I was like, that's good directing. Because like I said, there wasn't a single acting job that was bad. Nothing. No matter how little the character. And Jurassic Park was one of them. Didn't matter how little the character. I mean, B.D. Wong, he was on screen for like three seconds. I know it was just like, he's perfect in it. Laura Dern was perfect. Like Sammy, like I said, they changed so much from the original book. But everybody, like the kids, to, to, to your point, Andrew, like he directs kids marvelously. It's like, it's wonderful. Yeah, Jurassic Park was, is really, to me, is, is, is one of his better, you know, works by far. Yeah. So, all right, Jurassic Park goes on then, yeah? Sure does. Ooh. So we're gonna have the last crusade against Jurassic Park. Oh, woo! All right, we'll worry about that later. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to the East region then. We have Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Garbage Fire. Uh, 
versus the lost garbage fire, Jurassic Park. So, <laughs> I mean, we have the two garbage fires. Yeah. I don't know. So, the Lost World, Jurassic Park, ranked number nine, and number eight, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I have to say, when I was putting this list together, I was amazed that the Crystal Skull made that much money. I would not have put it in the top ten. A lot of people went to see it when it came out because it was indie coming back, you know? Yeah. 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 Big deal. Yeah. 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 So, well, how do we vote with this one? You're going to be you're going to be on film though. Huh. <gasps> it's a ghost. It's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> um so I I was telling Sean before we started Lost World is one of the one of the only ones I didn't that and Saving Private Ryan are I think the only two I didn't rewatch in the span of the last two months kind of, or whatever it's been since we decided we were going to do this. Um, so it's not as fresh in my head, um, but I don't, I can't really remember many, if any really good qualities from it. Like it really is just a very forgettable film for me. Whereas um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I saw in theaters when it came out in, when was it? 2008, I think. 2008, um, yeah. I saw it then and I can just remember leaving the theater and being like, wow, that was really bad. And for the last 12 years or 11 years, whatever it's been since, you know, everyone has collectively shit on that movie, me included. Yeah. I don't, I don't uh, take anything away from anybody shitting on that movie, <laughs> but rewatching it that I did rewatch recently while I also rewatched some of the other, the other Indiana Jones movies, there are more, good parts in it than I remembered. There are yes. still plenty of these terrible, bad parts, and there's some of it that's just really shitty. But the good parts are really, really good, and it is, in a lot of ways, for me at least, it was fun to watch. And to see yeah. Harrison Ford at that age playing that character and still playing him as well as he ever did, but you know, obviously differently because of his age and everything, and you can just tell Harrison Ford loves that role and has yep. so much fun doing it. And yeah, Shia LaBeouf was probably miscast and you could get into that, but um, re-watching it, again, like I said, I, I stand by all of the, the things, you, all the issues you could take with it, but it was more fun than I remembered. And as bad as it is, it was still enjoyable to be able to see Indy doing his thing again. I, I, I was one of the people that went to the theater to see it because I was super excited to see it. Um, and I, my memory of it was of just a complete and utter garbage fire. So when I rewatched it, I was like, all right, let me, let me watch again. Like all of these movies, I tried to just like detach myself from fandom and just kind of analytically break it down and see like, all right, what's good, what's working, what isn't working, all that stuff. And for the first, God, it's got to be like 45 minutes. It's a good movie. Mm -hmm. Like that whole intro scene uh, uh, when he's in the school and 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 um, uh, no no with with the with the Russians and the and and the atomic bomb and all that, is it you know him d surviving in the fridge is that garbage? Yeah, but like we established, it's almost like they picked that up from Temple of Doom. Let's just do something really stupid, and it'll just people yeah. will like it because it's Indiana Jones. But that movie, for the most part, was a fun movie, a good movie, all the way up until they got to South America. That's when it went off the rails. Yeah, and yeah. and and the only other uh, in Congress, I guess I don't know if that's the right word, which is bad part of the movie to me was his 
British partner, Mac. Like none of that was, that just didn't work. There was like no chemistry there. I don't yeah, know who the, the guy, I don't even know who the actor is, but it was just like, yeah, yeah. He was so over the top. It was just Great like, it, it was just, he was like, all right, mate. We're gonna do like this, right? Oh, Andy, come on, let's have another drink. Let's do it. It was like, oh, yeah, he's very famous in England. That's Ray Winston. He's very famous in England um, for being a tough guy. Plays a tough uh, guy. Okay. Like okay. I know him. I, I've never met Ray. Whit he came to see me in a show once, but I never met him personally. But I've met a bunch of his family, and I know well, I a lot of mutual people. He's from the same area as me, mate. He lives in Essex. Oh, he's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he was in a lot of movies back in like the 70s, these big violent movies. He was in the most famous movie other than he was in The Departed, which he does the worst accent that he is... Was? He's in, He plays a henchman. He plays um he plays one of the henchmen and he goes to like... He like breaks Leo's arm or whatever. He's like pins him down on the super Oh, table. okay, yeah, yeah. And he yeah, does yeah. this crazy Boston accent. He's like, I'm from Boston, mate. <laughs> It's <laughs> no, you're not. You're from Essex, fucker. <laughs> it's in a movie called Sexy Beast, which is a really good movie. Okay. Uh, Kingsley's in it, and it was a British independent movie, but it was, it, it, you know, it was a big indie indie movie even over here. He's excellent in that. But he plays an Essex gangster type, but okay. a lot of older movies from the 70s, like Quadrophenia and like all this Nil by Mouth and a lot of these... Um, Right, 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 right. Oh, he was in Quadrophenia? I didn't know that. Yeah, that was his first movie, actually. He played okay. like a 17 year old, like, kind of like biker. But he, okay. um, he was awful in this movie. He was it, it, terrible. I don't like they're obviously trying to be like, we're trying to replace Salah and we're trying to replace Salah all in what, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, it made no sense. No, no, none of it I, did. It was so stupid. I hated. It. He actually ruined the that first the opening like twenty yeah. twenty five minutes for me. Anyone yeah. other than Ray Winston, I'd probably agree with you and say the opening was all right. I did not like the opening. I love Indiana Jones more than anything. I tried to rewatch it the other night as the one thing I was like, if there's anything I'm going to half watch, I'll try mm. and watch it. I actually stopped it. I could by the time we got to South America, I stopped watching because I oh, love yeah, it. No, it does, it's not worth watching after South America. I can't do it. I couldn't do it. I'm like, I just hate this movie. I like, I just. Terrible. Shia LaBeouf figuring out how to swing on fucking vines like Tarzan. Is by watching a bunch of little gibbons. And meanwhile, he's a guy who fixes fucking motorcycles. It was just like, what the holy fuck is going on right here? It was good just though. so. It makes it stupid. worse. It makes so much worse as Charlie Booth has come around. He's a really good actor now. Like, he's, he's a fantastic that. actor. And, and in the beginning, he. Yeah, in the beginning, he wasn't bad. He was, yeah. he was believable as just this, like, greaser guy, you know. But then I, I've was... always liked Shia LaBeouf, and I, I've, I, I, will, I will fight for him in, in the fact that I think he's a good actor. I, don't, yeah. I just don't think he was right for that role in that movie. And maybe it comes down to that was just a badly written role. I don't know. I don't think he was right for that role, but I do I, I like Shia LaBeouf a lot. Everything, everything was just so badly done. It was the desperation was just palpable. Yeah, because they try to they try to uh, 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 shoehorn Karen Allen in that they threw John Hurt in there for some reason. It was just all of it was bad. Uh, it, I mean, what a disservice to what's her face. Um, 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 why can't I think of her now? 
And she's a lovely actress. The, the bad Russian lady. Uh, okay, uh, Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Oh, Kate Blanchett, yeah. Yeah, it was just like, really? This is what, it's like, oh, what, what a waste of talent. Uh, it was just so bad. It, it's, it, I mean, I think the true villain of this movie and why it's so shit is just, is written all over it. It's the last big movie, probably the last movie that I, well, there, there was a shitty movie did, but the last certainly big movie that George Lucas wrote the story. He didn't write the screenplay, but he wrote the story. This is a post-prequel Star Wars movie. This is after Phantom Menace, all that garbage. No one believed in George Lucas anymore. No one wanted to do his story. They wanted to do one of the many stories they already had for Indiana Jones from way before. They had the script, The Fate of Atlantis, that they were going to do in like the mid-90s. It didn't work out. And they were going to do a whole bunch of others that they had planned from other, you know, novels and comics. So much that they could go for. And then, but George Lucas was like, no, I've got this story. Like, I've got this story. And Spielberg said, like, from the off, he was like, I made this bargain with George way back when in the 70s, when we both made each other famous, that, like, I took a chance on this movie. Like, no one believed in it. And, like... I did it off the back of Jaws, Raiders, and he was like, I'm choosing this. No one wanted me to do that movie. It blew up. I was like, and I always said, I will always come back to this. I will direct your movies for you because of... Yeah. And no one wanted him to do it, but Spielberg was like, no, I'm not doing it unless I'm doing George's story. And we're like, what the fuck? It makes no sense. Every other Indian movie is religious. At the end of the day, it's about God. It's about the existential. It's about... It's about God. Everything is about God. And then this movie is about fucking aliens. It's like, what the hell? It's, 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 it's just, it's just so, like I said, and quite frankly, there's zero excuse in 2008 for this movie to be made. At this point, Spielberg owns a studio. He's worth over a billion dollars himself. In fact, I think he's worth 11 billion. You know, Lucas is worth did he already sell Lucasfilm no, to Disney? No, he, he hadn't sold yet, no. Okay, but still, Lucasfilm Limited was like, if anybody was doing special effects, they were going through them. He was yeah. making money. He was printing his own money. There was like, It's not like a bank would have said, no, we're not giving you money for this movie. Stop. Wait, and that brings up one point we do have to, we just, I got to throw it out there. The visual effects in this movie were trash. Trash. All the CGI was absolute trash. Garbage. Like, gopher g- groundhog thing yeah. in the beginning is worse than anything in Jurassic Park. Completely. The, whole movie, the, the VFX in Jurassic Park across the board are 10 times better than the VFX. No, no, no. no. Every, everything, everything that makes in Indiana Jones good was bad in this movie. <laughs> Literally, Literally yeah. everything. So then who do we pick then? <laughs> Jurassic Park, the Gar- the Lost Garbage Fire or Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Garbage Fire? Because The Lost World was so bad when I rewatched it. Because in the first Jurassic Park, Jeff Goldblum says he had several kids and at least three wives. And then he had a black daughter that I guess he adopted somewhere along the way. No other kids are mentioned. And it was just about like the t- the best part is they decide to transport the T-Rex from the island to the mainland, and the boat comes ramming through the pier in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And they go to see what happened. 
and they find the captain's arm dangling on the big wheel, steering wheel of the boat. And I'm like, how did the T-Rex get in there if he's in a giant cage in the hold in the middle of the boat? And the T-Rex is, you know, 30 feet tall. How did he fit in the little cabin to bite the captain in half? It, it, again, it was that Spielberg thing. It's like, ah, don't worry about that. That makes too much sense. No one's going to think about that. Let's just sell the tickets and off we go. This to me is the, I, I, I'm disgusted either one we pick. <laughs> not, I, not as bad as Jurassic Park 3. Jurassic Park 3 is an awful movie. Like, I think this is Jurassic Park 3. No? Huh? no. Wasn't this Jurassic Park 3? No. No, this is 2. Okay. Is three, 3 wasn't directed by Spielberg, though. Yeah. Oh. Okay. But 3 had I, Sam Neill back. I'm going to... I would have to... Um, I'd have to vote for, for Indy for this one, just because, again, like, they're both bad in many ways. But I, at least... And maybe it's because I didn't get a, I didn't rewatch Jurassic, uh, Jurassic Park 2. Um, but I saw it a couple years ago. I've seen it pretty recently. I don't remember really any redeeming quality or enjoying it at all. Whereas Indy, and maybe it's because I went back to it with such low expectations. But like I said before, all of the bad things are terrible, but I still had some fun watching it. And I can't remember having really any fun watching the lost world Jurassic park so it's, it, I, I considering it. all the actors in in the lost world it's again amazing because i mean you had jeff goldblum you had julianne moore you had um um uh crap richard attenborough was in it too you know it's like all these big name actors that i can't think of their names now but when, oh vince vaughn was in it um, I, 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 um the guy from the west wing um he was one of the advisors on the West Wing. Really good actor. He's a great character. So many great actors were just in this film, and it was just such, just dreck. It was just bad. All I remember, I, I liked it as a kid. Again, I was a kid. I liked the movie, and it was world-building. So I can say Indiana Jones and Christmas go shit because I have three good indie movies. Right. I Lost World because I got to live in that universe again, and I'm like, wow. Okay, just give me more time with the dinosaurs. Um... The only thing I remember from that movie that stuck because I didn't rewatch it is it was a good set piece of when they were with the glass in like the van trapped over the ravine. Like, I like that with like the glasses breaking and he's like, and he's trying to get her. And I, mean, I like that. I was like, oh, that's a good. Yeah. So, oh, no, no. Again, the mood building is there. <laughs> getting the suspense <laughs> and just getting like the fear. Like I said, he's masterful at it. He will sacrifice the story for the mood. Oh, they're the flying and, dinosaurs. That was different. The pterodactyl, they didn't have that in Jurassic Park. That was what's different. They, the, no, that was in the third one, I think. Yeah. Oh, they didn't have it in the second one, they didn't have pterodactyls? No, I don't think so. They definitely had them in the third. I can't remember if they were in the third. Yeah, I don't think they had it in the second one. I'm getting confused then. Yeah. They might have been All in right, the second one. So, so we have a vote for Kingdom of the Garbage Fire and Sean? <sighs> I, w I want to vote for Lost World because I just hate Crystal Skull so much, but it it probably is a better movie, even though I don't want to. So I guess I'll vote for Crystal Skull, even though I really don't want to. Like I said, I, I'm hating either choice. I'm going to go with Crystal Skull, so it's uniform here, because um, I, I think they were equally abhorrent, both of them. Yeah. 
All right. Although I would say with Jurassic Park, like I'm, I'm not sick of the world that, you know, I'm more apprehensive about Indy 5 than I am about Jurassic I'm Park. I'm so not looking forward to Indy 5. Wait, if, Sean, if, if you had voted for Jurassic Park or, or Lost World and Tomo, you had to do the tiebreaker, would you still have gone with Temple of Doom? Or, sorry, with uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? I, I, I probably would have, yeah. Because, like I said, up until South America, I thought that was a good movie. Mm. Jurassic Park, The Lost World, it, it, it was never a good movie. There was, like, nothing... I mean, like, there were a couple of mood-building scenes that were fun. Yeah. But other than that, it, it just... Yeah. All right. All right, so the next movie we have is... Oh! Catch, number 13, Catch Me If You Can, versus number four, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, Catch Me If You Can, shout out to Catch Me If You Can, because it's a fun movie. But we all it's know a fun movie. it's one. a fun movie. Especially well, because it's based on a true story. Yeah, yeah. And Tom yeah, yeah. Hanks and Leo are a lot of fun together. Um, yeah. yeah. Leo is very good in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, this is a cool example of uh, how versatile Spielberg is. Because this is unlike, you know, you, you look at like a, you look at Saving Private Ryan, Indiana Jones, Jaws, and then something like this. Like, this is a completely different movie. And in a lot of his movies, he, he's not really in any sort of box of like one type of movie, like a lot of directors are. So that's pretty right, cool. right, right. Um, I mean, I think it's obvious who we're going to vote for on this one, but. Yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah. Funny, it feels a lot more like a Scorsese movie. I think maybe it's because of all the movies he's done with DiCaprio since. 20 years from now, I bet more people would think it was a Scorsese movie than a Spielberg movie. Probably. Like, it feels like it. It feels kind yeah. of like it. You know, it, it's like his Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, that movie, he wouldn't have got that if it wasn't Catch Me If You Can. I feel yeah. like It's a little too light for Scorsese, though. There'd be a few more... Yeah. It's a little bit light for Scorsese. I see what you mean, yeah. It's a little bit light for Scorsese, I agree, but in terms of, like, the period, that's right up his alley. Late 60s, early 70s, big cars, cute chicks. Yeah, he did. Was that? Sorry. What happened? I was just saying, he he had a, a run of movies around that time, Scorsese, that weren't typical Scorsese because he did kind of the aviator um mm. he did what was it he did a couple of movies that were a bit like you know, they weren't as Scorsese-ish yeah a little bit yeah. it was yeah, the that... one he did with uh, Liam Neeson and, and Adam Driver and uh Andrew Garfield what was that oh, that was Silence? recent that was real recent that came out like years yeah. ago okay it's a tough movie to watch yeah but uh, does yeah. in in Catch Me If You Can doesn't um Tom Hanks or, or Leo, one of them, don't, don't they narrate for some part of the movie? Because that is very Scorsese. He's very good fellas, yeah. 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 Um, I think it's, uh, I think Leo does all the narrating in the movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very Wolf of, that was the Wolf of Wall Street element for it. It was yeah. very, very yeah, no, 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 it's this, and you can't believe I got away with doing this. And like, yeah. Yeah. And then Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like we've said from before, this is a genre-defying movie. Everybody, I mean, I saw the movie in the theaters. Everybody loved it. Like, parents would go home, get their kids. You, like, it, and my wife's father came home. He saw it, like, 
because he was uh, on a business trip. He came home and said, kids, we got to go see this movie and grabbed all his kids and took them to the movie. I mean, it was, this was just one of those, this harkened back to the days of the Tarzan movies, to the Western cowboy Western movies where everybody enjoyed this just adventure flick and it was just amazing. And it, this was it. This, I mean, if there was anything that was going to knock Star Wars down off its pedestal, it was this movie. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it's an easy vote over Catch Me If You Can. And not because I didn't enjoy Catch Me If You Can. I thought it was a fun movie. Yeah. But to me, it's a, just an easy vote. Yeah, it is. And just iconic. Like I said, the idea that you could possibly forget, like Catch Me If You Can is great. But you could forget it was a Spielberg movie, and there are there are a whole bunch of scenes in it that you could probably confuse with other movies. You were like, "Oh, was that Wolf of Wall Street? Was that it?" Like, there are elements you could certainly. For- but there is no mistaking. Yeah. Stuff. Like, it yeah, is yeah. so original. Almost everything that came after it took something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So Raiders goes on. So Raiders will go against Crystal Garbage Fire. I'm guessing we know which one's going to win there. <laughs> okay. And finally, we have the North Region. And this one makes me a little bit sad. It's Jaws versus Minority Report. Because I actually really enjoyed Minority Report. I thought that was a fun movie. It's, isn't it a Philip K. Dick novel? Yeah. And, I mean, he did the Blade Runner and all these other just iconic sci-fi stories. I thought it was just a really, really, again, Tom Cruise just can't do sincere. I think that's why it didn't work with, with the kids in War of the Worlds. When he's mm. crying at the end, when the girl, like, tells what the future of the kid was, it was so just, like, contrived and felt just, you know, put on. It didn't feel like he was, like, actually feeling any emotions. He felt like he was, <laughs> I mean, that, that's what it felt like to me. It was just like, this is just schlocky acting, Tom. Just stop it right now. Um, he's so good in Brain Man. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, um, I, I mean, Jaws. Again, talk about building mood. Yeah. Except for, I haven't seen Jaws since I was a kid. And re- I rewatched it the oh. other day. And I forgot that opening scene. And I was screaming with laughter because that whole scene with her in the water is straight from Ace Ventura when he falls <laughs> in the fucking shark tank. And I was just in absolute stitches killing myself laughing. I'm like, oh my God, yes, that's why he did it this way. He almost did it like shot by shot, like with the whole, and if you talk to anybody who's even remotely familiar with marine biology, none of that would have been happening. So like Ace Ventura's reenactment of it is way more accurate than hers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that like parallel uh, shoulders above the water and the shark is just dragging me left to right like a fucking choreography yeah. number. No. Yeah, no. the shark takes one bite, spits you out again. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, everything, like the whole just conversation about the USS Indianapolis, Quint, Robert Shaw as Quint was just magnificent. Uh, uh, young Sean Quigley or young uh, Richard Dreyfus, either or, they're twins, <laughs> if you ask me. Um, <laughs> it, it was good, and Roy Scheider was fantastic. Yeah. Really, really, really good. So, I mean, it, it's an easy choice for me. Um, I'm just sad because I actually really enjoyed Minority Report. I thought it was just a good movie. It is a great movie. It's a really good movie. I love Minority Report a lot. It's a very 
It introduced it did it uh, introduced Colin Farrell, made Colin Farrell that movie. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and a lot of things. It really brought that genre back into that Philip K. Dick thing. It really polished. It. There was a whole series of movies that came out. Everyone was cr- scrambling to get their hands on a Philip K. Dick. We're, we're, hold on, hold on. This conversation is getting really. First of all, you're polishing something, and now everybody's trying to get their hands on a dick. What? What's? What's going on? <laughs> oh yeah, everyone's trying to get their hands on, on the just a little a filled dick. The problem is, there's too many little dicks. That was the issue with it. Is he wrote very low, mostly short stories, so everyone's scrambling, flying over these tiny little snippets of dick. It's the Irish curse. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. All right, so your vote then. Yeah, Jaws. I mean, it's Jaws. Jaws is amazing. Jaws was in my wedding vows. Is it really? It was in my wedding vows of, you know, things I promised, blah, blah, blah. We did our own vows, me and my wife. We didn't know. We obviously didn't read each other's vows. And in my vows, I said, my joke vow was, I promise I won't make you watch Jaws. And in her vows... She said that she she actually would watch Jaws because this was a thing that we'd gone back and forth, okay. and it was this whole thing of like, what do, what do you do now? It cancels each other out. And I was like, well, I said I wouldn't make you, and you said you would. So <laughs> it's a double negative. So she has to watch it now. So she did. She watched Jaws. So she did watch Jaws, and she was absolutely fucking terrified. But the fact my wife doesn't like old movies, like she gets bored. She has this filter. She didn't really watch movies growing up as a kid. She read books. What a fucking dog. And <laughs> so she struggles with. Can the- I just point out something here? Like on the bottom of John's screen here. <laughs> it's Andrew Albagese, it's Tello Lovric, and it's Emily Heron. Wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. She struggles with the old movies because because she didn't watch movies, so many movies when she was younger, right. to watch an old movie is weird to her, because it's just like, this. why would I watch a movie that just doesn't look good? <laughs> like, it, it just looks old. Why does it look right. bad? Right. Right. It's like a kid watching a black and white. It's, that's yeah, what it, yeah, yeah. A movie that looks like it's from the 70s or the early 80s to her, it, it, she, she, she can't get through it. So the fact that she managed to be terrified of Jaws and B shows you for someone that doesn't even like movies so much and did not want to watch it and doesn't yes. it works. Like she it works, absolutely. It totally works. Oh, it's Any, such a- anything to add to this uh, choice, Andrew? I'm I'm sort of with you guys. I think everything you said about Jaws is is right on. Um I mean it's the movie that kind of made Spielberg, you know, that was I, I guess he made some movies before that, but really this was his first movie. Um and again to go back to you know, like we talked about with Jurassic Park, the visuals, the, the VFX, if you will, or whatever you want to call it, they stand up pretty well. I mean, there are a couple moments where the shark looks a little cheesy, but all in all, it looks unbelievable yeah. when, when so you bad. watch it today, knowing when this movie came out. Um, yeah. Minority Report, I watched that for the first time probably in the last month uh, in, in preparation for this. It was fine. I enjoyed it, but it, it didn't do much for me. Um, right. You know, knowing it's Spielberg and Tom Cruise and and all of that, I think I don't know. It just it was just completely fine, but it it didn't it didn't impress me too terribly much. Um, 
So it's obviously Jaws for me. Yeah. Okay. I just All remember right. I forgot another movie that's not on this that is very polarizing, but I think is a better movie than Minority Report in a very similar world is AI. I love AI. Oh, um, I never saw it. Oh, you should. It polarizing. It came out, people hated it. Yeah, I remember. I remember one of those movies you have to rewatch now. And I think it's a masterpiece. Like it it was a weird one. Huh? I was gonna say it's with a uh, Jude that was Jude Law's big breakout movie and the kid from uh the 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 Sixth Sense. Yeah, Haley Haley Jarsman, who's great in it. Um and he yeah. really carries the whole movie. Like he's the only one that's in it the whole time. Jude Law's a very small role, really, time wise. But he it's incredible. It was a weird movie because it was it was um it was originally uh, it'd been kicked around a whole bunch. Kubrick was doing it. Mm. Um, it was a Kubrick movie, and then he di- and he died, and Spielberg picked up. Oh, okay. The movie, um, and he f- and he started. Kubrick like wrote it or like he did treatment or whatever, and was in pre-production for it. Yeah, okay. And then he died, um, and then Spielberg. I think half of the fact of the fact that Eyes Wide Shut come out and was not, hadn't done well. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, I'm not letting this go. And he came on and he basically he took a big pay cut. He was like, I just want to get this movie made. I want to have the, you know, and it's so good. It's so, you get all the cool stuff of Kubrick. You get the sci-fi brilliance of Kubrickian kind of like crazy sort of stuff. Going right, on. right, right. With, but then the Spielbergian character treatment mm-hmm. and like, yeah, oh, right, right, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Really I've never good. seen AI, so oh, yeah, I've what? never seen it. Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah. So, the, our right. last of the first rounds is the color purple number 12 versus close encounters of the third kind number five. Uh, I'm gonna run to the restroom, you guys get started. I will be right yeah, back. Yeah, go for it. yeah. what are we do doing? Uh, the color purple versus close encounters of the third kind. Unless you want to follow Andrew to his bathroom. Well, I do also need to go to the bathroom. I'm not going to follow him to his bathroom because that would require me breaking quarantine rules. Yes. I'll be taken down by the National Guard. Yes. Um, But this is the worst one for you to give it. This is the one movie I've not watched, Color Purple. Really? Yep. I was planning on watching it. um, Just, and then, you know, coronavirus. And it, it was, it, funnily enough, it was the one movie that my wife said she would watch. I gave her the brackets and I was like, right, which of these Spielberg movies would you watch me? She doesn't like watching movies generally and especially not the sort of movies I like. She's not a huge Spielberg fan. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was the one movie she was like, I'd watch The Color Purple because it's the sort of thing she likes. Um, and then... She would like The Color Purple. It's, yeah. it's a very... It's a very hard movie to watch, not because it's a bad movie, but because the the subject matter is just tough. Yes, um, and that's why I didn't watch it because we were going to watch it, and then all this crap happened, and yeah, then she's, yeah, yeah. and I've been every night being like, "Do you, do you maybe want to watch the movie?" <laughs> like, um, you want to no. watch something that's going to bum you out even more? Let's watch that movie. I'll wait for Andrew to come back so we can do our votes but I'll start in the meantime The Color Purple to me is a far far superior movie to Close Encounters Close Encounters that whole thing that I was saying with Spielberg where the story doesn't matter shit 
close encounters is probably the worst of them. Mm. Because in close encounters, the, the, the lead in, the setup was really great. Uh, uh, with, with Richard Dreyfus getting uh, uh, strobed by the aliens and all of that stuff, great. But then he's starting to go crazy and they, don't, they just don't bother with it. Next thing you know, his wife is in her underwear taking the kids leaving and all the neighbors are on the front lawn watching. And I'm like, when the fuck did this happen? What's going on here? I mean, literally, I, I thought Close Encounters was a highly overrated movie. I'm just jumping in here, but I thought the same thing the first time I saw it. Um, yeah, you go, you go do your thing, Sean. Yeah, yeah because um, really nothing... <laughs> what I miss? I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I, missed, I completely missed that. Whatever. You, you missed a full-blown crotch shot. Anyway, because <laughs> <laughs> he's literally in his underwear. All right, go um, ahead. No, because, yeah, Close Encounters, you know, I saw, it, I saw it when I was in high school. And it was, you know, it's considered this classic, amazing sci-fi film. Um, and I can remember seeing it and being like, okay, I get why people liked it at the time for the visual effects, you know, the special yeah. effects are really cool. Yeah. Uh, um, but it's so, it's just some dude who like, nothing really happens other than aliens show up and he goes, he finds them and then he hops on their ship. Um, it's, again, like I was, I was just telling Sean, it's just this disjointed story doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, first they show themselves. Then Richard Dreyfuss goes crazy, but in somewhere along the way, his wife takes the kids and leaves. Nobody says why, but the whole neighborhood's on the front lawn watching them have a fight, and the yeah. wife starts out in her 90. And it felt like there was, it's only been two days, but I guess it's supposed to be like uh, several weeks of him going nuts. But yes. you kind of have to put that together. And then, then the woman with the little kid, the aliens for some reason can't just freaking teleport him out of there. They have to come in through the heat vents and the freaking back door and the doggy door. It was like, what the fuck is going on here? And then they give the kid back. It was like, why, why would you have gone through all this trouble? Right, if- right. <laughs> uh, uh, this is, this is going to make a great visual on our I- intro YouTube channel. This is going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and... Um- Right, yeah. and he, 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 does he fall in love with the girl with the kid? He, like, he I guess. Like, he, right. I, when I, so I, like I was saying before, I saw it for the first time, like when I was in high school. I rewatched it in preparation for this. I did enjoy it a lot more rewatching it now, maybe because of my expectations. But I, I, I finished watching it this most recent time, and I thought to myself, what, what is like, what is the analogy? Or what is the metaphor here? Like, because it's not about aliens. Like he's trying to, is, is it, did Spielberg, and I have no idea if there's any evidence or history of this, but like, was he going through a divorce? Did he just have young children and they were driving him nuts and he was going crazy? Was this like, just like an artistic expression of all of that? Like, because that's what it kind of comes off to me as in a lot of ways. It's like, he has this very mundane life. Yeah. And the the alien showing up and him his like need his desire his like he literally hops on that ship and just goes God knows where at the end of that movie that to me was like is it all just an analogy for like someone trying to break free from like a boring mundane life I don't know 
I, I guess, you know what? You gave that way more thought than I did because to me it was like, <laughs> that made sense. He snuck into the freaking landing area yeah. and then he's walking amongst everybody and it's like, okay, I buy that because everybody's just, you know, in awe of this spaceship that just came. But then, like, the dude is like, uh, it, it, am I correct in assuming we have your full cooperation? And then they find him a fucking jumpsuit. I'm like, wait a minute, what cooperation? Why isn't he on the ground with somebody with an M16 and pointed to his head? What cooperation? What's like, literally, this is what I'm saying. This is Spielberg was like, I forget the story. We got special effects. Just go, go, be a good character. And I mean, Richard Dreyfus did a really good job of being this guy who's going nuts, but the story was shit. It was awful. Yeah. I thought it was terrible. I mean, yeah. I, I'm voting color purple. I thought color purple was infinitesimally better. Yeah. Even though it was a hard watch because it was just such, such just like the subject matter was just so tough. I thought I, I, I'd vote color purple over close encounters any day of the week. Yeah. Color purple it is like you said, it's a tough watch. Um, I saw it for the first time in, in prepping for this. I had never seen it before. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but the acting in it is unbelievable. Um, I mean, Oprah? Like, yeah. I know Oprah has been in movies, but she's amazing in it. Who yes. knew? I think she won an Oscar for that. Did she win? I know yeah, she, I think she did. Nominated. She okay. Did. It well deserved, obviously. Um, and Whoopi Goldberg is unbelievable. Uh, uh, Danny Glover is just horrible, horribly. He's just so awful. He's and, just and an awful person. His, yeah. His performance is unbelievable. It's, it's, it, it was uh, unsettling for me because I've always liked Danny Glover and everything I've seen him in. I've never seen him be this, you know. Did you ever so. see Witness? No, no, I didn't. You got to see Witness, dude. Okay. Harrison Ford and Danny Glover's a bad guy in it. Yeah. Like, yo, Crooked Cop. Okay. So good. So, 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 so good. Yeah. He's not uh, even in it that much, but he's just like really, it's like, oh, you know, because I was like, I, I think I saw, I saw Witness after I seen Lethal Weapon. So it was okay. like, yeah. it's Murtaugh. I'm not, what? Right, right. No, you know, it's like, there's no way. Yeah. And then I saw this movie, I was like, son of a bitch. He's like, what? Yeah. Did you hear they signed up another one, the Lethal Weapon? Yeah, 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 I saw that. That's going to be interesting. They're making another one? Yeah. Yeah, I think it, Joe Pesci might be back as well. Wow. No. Oh, nice. And Mel Gibson, will he be back with a muzzle or will they let him talk? <laughs> I think he's are, back. Are they shooting in Israel? What's happening? I don't, I don't know. In the realm of everything that's going on now, Mel Gibson's like, they're like, eh. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. He's a Boy Scout compared to these dipshits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So who are we voting for then? The Color Purple or Close Encounters? I... Uh, this one was one that was a little difficult for me to decide. I think partially, I think mainly because Color Purple is a tough watch and uh -huh. uh, Close Encounters is one of those movies that's kind of held up as an iconic sci-fi, but being able to talk about it and talk it out, I think was, was very helpful. So with all that in mind, I, I, I'm going to definitely, I'm going to agree with you, Tomo, and go with Color Purple for sure. Okay. Okay. Sean, is there any objection? I know you said you didn't see it, so no, I haven't seen the color purple, but I'm, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's good. I I, I agree with pretty much everything you said about Close Encounters. I was really excited to watch it. I had not seen it before, um, uh -huh. and I was excited to watch it because I was like, oh, sci-fi Spielberg, Richard Dreyfuss, I'm gonna love this. And the whole time I was like, <laughs> right, <laughs> it's like a Twilight Zone episode, yeah, right, stretched out, like and not yeah. even a good one. 
Like, I, no. I, I, it's like it's like Space Jam, but if it wasn't <laughs> for kids and it wasn't fun, like there's yes, no yes. basketball. It's exactly. like what, like it, it's like if if you take Space Jam and just focus on the Bill Murray character in Space Jam. <laughs> This guy just having an existential crisis about his aliens coming down. Yeah, that it, is a movie I would watch, though. <laughs> it's, it's just weird. I mean, there were individual scenes that were good. Like, yeah, when near the beginning, and I, I really loved the scene where he's losing his mind, throwing the stuff out the windows. Like, right. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, when Richard Dreyfus is being Richard Dreyfus, it's good. But I think the main thing that it doesn't hold up, and it's and it's kind of untrue to Spielberg in many ways. Is almost at no point in that movie is Richard Dreyfuss likable. Like I don't like yeah, him. No, he's not. So, oh, um, right, 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 right. Carry a movie. I don't think Richard Dreyfuss can carry a movie because he's kind of inherently unlikable. Mm-hmm. Jaws is one of the only movies where he's he's kind of likable in that, which is ironic because in the book, if you ever read the book Jaws, which is really very very good book, but very different from the movie, it's an entirely different story. Um, the character Richard Dreyfuss's character in the Jaws book is has an affair with um, Brody's wife the whole the book is about infidelity it's not about the shark it's about it's about Brody trying to trying to prove something having this Moby Dick thing because his wife is he's obsessing and they're screwing in the background so he's supposed to be unlikable but actually they make Dreyfus kind of likable there So I can see why he would cast it because he's like Dreyfus. Yeah, he'd be fucking around. Like, he'd be perfect for that and then changed it. But... He, has, he has a very... Well, I mean, Dreyfus has that Napoleon complex that, that's kind of arrogant, so that's why they would cast him for that. Yeah. yeah. I think Sean just... Oh, no. I thought he fell off the planet. But... No, it's my cat. <laughs> I'm trying to get my cat out of the... Uh, my cat just yeah. jumped into the laundry basket. Oh, <laughs> stupid cat. Yeah. yeah. Get off the screen, cat. I'm allergic, damn it. <laughs> oh. All right. So, all right. So then we we, we go with the color purple. So, uh, well, we're gonna have Jaws going up against the color purple. So, so he. This is our elite eight. E. T. versus Temple of Doom, The Last Crusade versus Jurassic Park, Crystal Skull versus Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Jaws versus the color purple. That's gonna be our next round. All right. All right. So now, before we sign off on this uh, episode of the best tournament, what do we think about our beers, boys? The Brooklyn Brewery Bel Air Sour, 5.8%. I was a big fan. I have to say, I, well, I'm, I'm on my second one, so I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely think, I'm not sure where I land overall with sour beers. I feel like it's a, I haven't had that many of them. But I, like we said when we started, I've definitely had some that are don't even taste like beer. It's like what I get that we're trying to create different beers and craft brews and all that shit. But like, you still want a beer at the end of the day. Um, this still tastes like a beer, but it's got quite a bit of that sour and it's different. Um, I I really enjoyed drinking it. I'd have another one if I had any left. Um, yeah, I, I'm a fan. So we, we graded. Where yeah? Where do you go? Oh, I think I give it like a solid four. Okay. Give it a four. Okay. Uh, 
um, Sean, you want to go next or you want me to go next? Uh, I'll go. Yeah, it was, um, it's a weird beer. Like, it was my least favorite out of the, the, the bunch, the variety pack that it came from. Um, but it, it, I'm not a huge fan of sours either. Like, I, I, it's nice in some ways because there's so many IPAs and stuff now. It's kind of nice to have something that's not just an IPA, like, because it gets a bit much after a while. Um, but it, I preferred it when I was drinking it earlier on in the week. I, I was just eating dinner before we started recording and I happened to be drinking a seltzer that was cranberry flavored, a cranberry flavored seltzer. And I went from that to the sour and it was like the same drink. Yes, it, it, it does Not, taste like cranberry and seltzer. It does. I was like, it went very, you were saying how much it kind of tastes like a beer and I just had the cranberry seltzer. <laughs> And I was like, I, this doesn't taste anything like beer. <laughs> this tastes like just another seltzer. Like it, it's weird. Just weird. Um, so, yeah, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of it. I, it definitely, like you said, it's definitely a better version of some of them. I've had more unpalatable versions of, of the sours, I guess. Um, I, I'd give it a 3.3, I, give it a 3, I think. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, like we said at the top of the show, I'm not a big fan of sours, but that's because I only had like a couple of sours and they're not. And the last one that I had, like I said, it was like pickle juice. It was just, it was a sour half of ice and it was just weird. Um, this is not, this wasn't so bad. I was okay with this. It does taste, taste like cranberry and seltzer. Um, but I, I, I feel like if there's a little bit more sugar, a lot of, ciders taste almost the same like when you have some of the sour ciders um going back to the old yardstick that we use if you were at a barbecue and this is all they were serving would you keep drinking it the whole time you're at the barbecue probably not you know two three and i'd stop it there um that being said I think I'm gonna. I, I'm, I'm falling kind of in between you guys. Um, um, I would give it a three six, I think, for this hour. Mm. All right, all right. So there you go, folks. That's that's our first round of the best tournament. So we got a four from Andrew, a three six for me, and a three point three from Sean on the Brooklyn Bel Air Sour. And like we said, we have ET versus Temple of Doom. The Last Crusade versus Jurassic Park, Crystal Skull versus Raiders, and Jaws versus the Color Purple for our Elite Eight. And um, I guess that's where we sign off on this episode. All right, right, folks. So uh, we'll see you soon with another COVID episode, right? right. Thanks, Tom. All right. Bye, guys. Yeah. Bye.